Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Yeah, We Said It. Uh, my name is Cedric. I'm Donnell. And we are a podcast dedicated to all things tennis related. Um, we want to discuss your favorite player and the entire 411 or lack thereof surrounding them. No competitor, result, or wig is safe. How are you doing today, Donnell? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Ready to, ready to discuss. Good, good, good. So let's get down to it. Let's, you want to do the ladies first? Yeah. All right. So we haven't um, come together in a while. So there's quite a bit to discuss. Um, we never got around to discussing Naomi Osaka winning Indian Wells. And then uh, she also beat Serena in her first match in Miami. So um, how are you feeling about Osaka right now heading into the clay? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I think she, um, she's shown that she can play. She can play pretty well on the clay, and I think she'll, uh, she'll take a lot from a lot of confidence from her um, Indian Wells win. And she's been already like steadily improving this year. I think she's 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 on the right trend upwards. I agree with that. I think so too. And I think um, having Sasha in her camp has been really good for her, even in the short time that they've been together. Um, I also wanted to just mention the comments that she made. In Charleston, after losing, um, she lost to Gerges, which is not a bad loss at all. Gerges has been playing well the last several months, um, especially at the end of last year. Um, and I, I just wasn't sure if those comments that she made were self-deprecating or it's her own uh, internal motivation that she's trying to summon up. Uh, she just seemed, she said she was down and she felt depressed and she said that she felt like the only reason she had even won those couple of matches in Charleston is because she's just a good player overall and not because she's good on clay. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was it was a little it was a little interesting, but I think it's um I don't think it's a bad thing, uh, per se, because I think she's still adjusting to being a champion on a tour. Like she just won a, a big title, she's getting a lot of attention. She, you know, got a, a a few quality scouts on that during that run and including uh, beat she be how the world number one killed her in the semis. Um, she got that win over Serena, so I think she it was it was a lot. It was a lot of attention on her a lot that she felt like she was dealing with. I think she was kind of she's adjust, still adjusting to like the pressure of being somebody that people are actually really paying attention to. You know, somebody people think should be winning these matches and making these deeper runs. And I think she'll um I think she'll adjust. I think she'll handle things better. And after um after that that long run in Indian Wells and then. Uh, getting to Miami, having to play Serena right off the back, all of that pressure on top of that. I think she was uh, she was still trying to, I guess, come down from all of that. I think she'll be fine. I certainly hope so. Um, Sloan. Sloan won Miami. Uh, how do you feel about that? I'm happy for her. I am. I'm very happy for her. Of course, I was cheering for Venus to win that title, but, yeah. you know, once uh, once Venus went out the way she did, it was, it was, it was all on Sloan for me. Um, I wouldn't have been upset with Vika winning that title either. It was it was a good it was a good tournament from her, but uh, I was very happy for Sloan to, to see her finally putting the pieces back together again after uh, that. I don't like it. It felt like more than a slump. She was just she was losing everywhere. Like after she won New York, and um, even so, so far right now, she still has she has. I don't think she's won a match outside of the United States since since I don't know when. So I guess we'll we'll have to see how she does when she when she hits Europe on this clay. 
Wow. I didn't realize that. Um, my only negative note about her win in Miami is um, very similar to the negative notes that I had after she won the U.S. Open last year in that I didn't felt I didn't I didn't feel like she really took the matches into her own hands that often. I felt like she was just kind of out there uh, while her opponents lost the matches. I mean, if you look, especially at the stats in the final, um, Ostapenko had way more winners and way more errors too. But right. I mean, that meant she was the one that was in control of the match. Sloan had very, very low stats as far as um, winners and errors at all. So that was my only negative thought but i mean even still it's a great win um and a great showing she's in the top 10 and um i mean it's all good for her anyway yeah since uh since her comeback she has had a very defensive game like before uh before she got got injured she her game was not uh based around defense this much she could of course she could defend when right. she needed to but she had she played a much more aggressive game and i thought I thought maybe I was like I was, you know, remembering incorrectly or something. But I went back and I watched uh, I watched a little bit of her match against Serena from uh, Brisbane, and um, she was she was playing, you know, a more baseline dictating style of of, of play. And now it's, it's a whole lot of just get the ball back. So it's it's not really that much fun to watch, but it's working for her. So I think she's going to stick with it. Yeah, especially with the clay coming up. I can definitely see her sticking with that. <laughs> right. Um, also, she withdrew from Charleston the week the week after um, she was supposed to go there and play. She was the winner in 2016 and then, of course, had to uh, skip last year because of that injury that took her out for much of the season. Um, but I did think it was a good idea for her to withdraw. Um, so I'm not saying anything negative about that. I think it was a good idea. Um, yeah, after, I think it was a good idea as yeah. well. She, I think she got fined though for it because of because of how late she pulled out. Um, but these fines, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> if you're like if you're a top player, you just right. you know, like whatever, pay that, pay that, move on. Yeah, it's not hurting at all. Um, Kiki Burton, speaking of Charleston, Kiki Burton's won Charleston. Um, that was pretty interesting. I. Looking at the draw, I did not see her coming out to be the winner, but she um, she got past Madison Keys in a very tight semifinal, and then had to play that they had to play that final the same day, and she kind of ran over Gerges in that final. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't pick. I did. I didn't pick Burton's to win that title. I thought Madison Keys was going to win, but um, I'm I'm not too I'm not too surprised that she won. She was playing. She played pretty well in Indian Wells. Uh, she lost to Serena there. And she played. She played pretty well in Miami too. Um, losing to Venus after having a match point right. or two. That was such so, an odd match. My goodness, it was, it was very weird. But you know, so I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too surprised to see that she. Uh, she kept together. Finally, put it together. Got all the pieces in order, and actually made her way to a, a, another title. And she likes the clay too, so it's not surprising. She's been playing well, so yeah. French Open semis, right? Right. Yeah. Hopping on one leg and still almost got a set. Mm. Um, Garbinier won in Monterey, which, I mean, also not a surprise because she should have. She had no business losing to anyone in that Monterey draw, but good for her for getting a title. Yeah, she was very happy to get that win, too. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was jumping for joy after she won that title. I'm, 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 I'm actually, I'm happy for her because I, I like to see the, the, the women who are out here winning the slams. I like to see them actually doing well on a regular tour. In too. between, yeah, absolutely. right. Even, if, even if I'm not the biggest fan of, of them as a player, she has won two slams, so I need her to be able to find some consistency and do that everywhere because it, it's not a good look to be able to just, you know, peak for one big tournament and then disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm going to keep talking about her bad until she shows me some more consistency because um, I'm bitter. I'm just going to say it. I am. Right. Um, Stuttgart is coming up uh, the week after the men play Monte Carlo. The women are going to be in Stuttgart. I was looking at the entry list for this tournament. Uh, it's a pretty stacked field. I didn't realize that. Um, you have Simona Halep. You have Muguruza. You have Zvitalina, Pliskova, Ostapenko, Caroline Garcia, Petra Kvitova, Kerber, Gerges, Sloan, Madison, Kiki Ladinovich, uh, Daria Katsakina, Sevastova, Pavlyonchikova, Streetsova, Suarez Navarro, uh, Kiki Burtons after just winning, um, and then you got the doper also. So it's a pretty stacked field. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I see. Um, I was I was just about to ask if uh, Sharapova was playing. Still not 100 percent sure if she'll actually make it there. because uh, I'm pretty sure she's still like dealing with her injury or whatever the case may be. So I guess we'll see if she if she makes it uh to the Porsche Grand Prix. But um, yeah, more power to all those women in draw. I think uh, judging by how people have looked so far, I think uh, Muguruza has a big, the, the best shot at winning that title. I would agree or with that. I, uh, I wouldn't put it past Sloan either to do well. Yeah. But, I mean, you never know. Man, she hasn't won a match outside the United States, though. So, right. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, Laura Sigmund is just coming off injury. She got a wild card into the draw. I don't, I don't see her doing very much. I'm going to keep an eye on Kvitova, too, because that is an indoor tournament. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she likes Has she play. played there before? I don't recall her playing there before, but I haven't really, really followed this tournament in a number of years. Right. I, but, I, yeah, I don't recall her playing there before. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know um, this, this year was her first time in Charleston, I believe. Yes. So. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting tournament. It's um. It's a pretty sexy one. Everybody except the number two. Um, so in news, um, Roberta Vinci, is she still set to retire this clay season? Do we know? That is a good question. I haven't heard anything about it because, you know, she keeps losing qualities. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, she said, uh, uh, per her report last year, uh, Rome was going to be her final tournament. Which was just, it's so weird. I mean, I know it's her home tournament, but it's the week before a slam. Like, why would you, I don't know. Because she's losing in qualities. Yeah. She won't get that. She won't get that Rome wild card and then lose in round one. Sad. Um, Casey Delacqua retired this last oh, yeah. week. Yeah, 33 years old, former top 30 player. Um, and she has hung her frames up. Yeah. I wish her the best in her retirement. Good Same career. Here. Yeah. Um, 
a maybe supposed retirement, Yankovic. Um, she scheduled a press conference for May 1st in Rome. Uh, she oh, really? hasn't played since the U.S. Open last year. She had back surgery. So the speculation is, I mean, she's calling a press conference for a tournament that's, you know, several weeks away. Um, so it, some people are saying maybe it's a retirement. Yeah, I, I would I wouldn't put it past it. I wouldn't be surprised if she decided to hang up a racket. It's, she's been she's been around for a long time and uh, back surgery is no joke. At all, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she, if she if she hung it up. I I thought it was odd that she well if she is going to retire that she would call a press conference in Rome. Um, but then I was I was trying to figure out like where she would call a press conference that would be, you know, like Andy Roddick calling a press conference at the U.S. Open. Like where would she, where could she do that? And I was drawing a blank. So I know she's a past champion in Rome, so maybe she just felt like that's where she wants to do it. I don't know. Mm. Uh, maybe she's like already going to be like she's going to be there for whatever reason. So I guess she figured that's where she'll where she'll have it. Yeah, and even still, this is all speculation anyway. The only thing we know is that she called a press conference. So right. we'll see what happens. But then again, at this stage in her career, what could Yelena Yankovic be calling a press conference for? True. Um, <laughs> uh, Bubblegum line. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anything else you would like to say about the women? Uh, yeah, uh, Joanna Conta is out of the top 20. Praise God. Absolutely incredible. And she still has a Wimbledon semifinal on her ranking. It's blowing my mind. <laughs> it's blowing my mind. Like, I can't believe it. Like, so I- I'm very interested to see how she does on the clay. Because I think she has, I think she was, she made the round of 16 in Rome, I think. And is that uh, when, is that when Venus beat her? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It was yeah. either, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was around the 16. But, um, cause uh, it wasn't the quarters. I know, I think Venus lost in the quarterfinals in Rome. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she, she has those points to defend in Rome. I don't think she, I don't think she has any points to defend in Paris. I think she lost early there last year. But um, yeah. So she, I think she has she has some space to to make up um to make up some points. But she's not the best player on the clay, so I guess we'll we'll see how she how she does if she can rebound at all. But hear her tell us she's great on clay. That's what she said when she was deflecting. She said that she was um, a great clay player, and she was just adjusting to being on the tour i'm like okay yeah we'll see like she i just I'm, i just pulled up her 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 stats a little bit and she's never made it past the first round in paris so how many times has she played three. Oh, it's crazy right she's she she's still kind of new but she's also kind of old at the same time like she's 26 years old but she just kind of burst on the scene a little bit like she she played her first slam in 2012 and that was at wimbledon First time she played all four slams was 2016. I, she was struggling for a while. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. I don't have, because I, I 
I'm not gonna wish her well or anything. So <laughs> I feel you. Um, on to the man. We got to go all the way back to Indian Wells again. Delpo winning Indian Wells, um, and then he he essentially sleptwalked his way to the semifinals in Miami because he was very very tired, but he still managed to make it there. So I thought that was pretty good still. Um, but he looked great in Indian Wells. That final against Roger was one of the best AT- ATP matches I think I've seen for a while. Yeah, that was definitely the best men's match of the year, hands down. Yeah. And he's he's hitting his backhand better, so I'm enjoying that. Right. So I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put it past him or I wouldn't be upset with him if he decided to take it take it easy on the clay because it's not his best it's not his best service and also to give himself a little bit of a, a little bit of a break after doing so well over those two weeks in right. uh in, in the, the, the Sunshine double. So um yeah, I would I wouldn't be upset with him if he if he decided to to take it a little bit easier on the clay. Um, I hope he does play Paris though. At least, I mean, I personally don't understand skipping a major tournament. So Me either, like, yeah. if you're only gonna play one tournament for the whole year or one clay tournament for the whole year, right? It'll like, make it really good. Yeah, why would you like if you if you lose in the first round, then whatever you wasn't gonna play anyway. Just go. Like, yeah, give yourself you the opportunity. Know. Seriously, especially if you won Australia. Especially, mm. and you if you won, if you won Australia, you can beat everybody on the tour. I'm specifically talking about Roger Federer now. Absolutely, you won Australia, you can beat everybody on the tour. Like, why wouldn't you give yourself that opportunity? Like, yes, guys out here who are great on clay, but I mean, you great on every surface. So you can find a way to beat everybody. Like, you just because you you might think that winning Paris might jeopardize your shot at Wimbledon. Like, so what? You you would have a second French Open as opposed to like a fiftieth Wimbledon title. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not seeing the, the thing like it, it, it's crazy, and I mean you know like you know it's fun to say oh well he's he's afraid of Rafa or whatever but I mean right now they're the one and two in the world and I don't think anybody's changing that before Roland Garros so right. they would be on the opposite halves of the draw of that but at least be another Roland Garros final and then exactly. you know if uh, God forbid Rafa loses then you know he's set who's who else is gonna beat him. Seriously, simple as that. Especially not with Djokovic out here playing the way he's playing right now. Lord Jesus, uh, I'm gonna bring him <laughs> up in a minute. I kiss uh, Novak. Um, okay, I only have a couple of things to say about the tournament that followed Indian Wells. Um, Maga won Miami. Ugh. Um, I only got two notes. Okay, Sasha. Zverev, I felt, I watched the entire final, I felt he did not handle um, being in the position of being expected to win very well at all. Um, The other Master Series finals that he's made, he's been the underdog. The underdog, yeah. And so this time he was definitely expected to win this match, Um, you know, even though he really hadn't played well in a while. I mean, this is another final for him. He hasn't lost. We haven't seen him lose a big final before. Um, so I didn't think he handled it well. Um, and there's also a little bit of pressure for him just because his Rome defense is coming up. It's a little mm-hmm. far away, but it is coming up. So I'm sure that's in the back of his mind. Um, and also, check Isner's blood pressure. That's all I got. <laughs> Isner played out of, his, out of his mind for that entire week. Like, I've never seen him play that well ever in my life. 
And if he if he can do that at Wimbledon, then these dudes better watch out. And that's that's all I got to say about that. Like I, I really I really don't want to see him <laughs> win another thing. But if he if he can do if he can keep this together, then wow. Because I mean it was impressive. It, I, I will give him that it was impressive, and he was winning matches and winning them like in a straightforward fashion. Like it wasn't just a bunch of tie breaks and like you know like usual. It was it was it was crazy to to, to witness. And as far as Zverev, I don't think um, he didn't. I, he didn't handle the, the. I don't think he handled the situation uh, great. But this is one of the first times he was in that position, like in a in a big final as like one of the, as the favorite. You know, because he you know top four player right now. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a, he. You got to remember he's only twenty years old. Right. A lot. You know, he when you when you're thinking about him, a lot of people don't remember the fact that he's still you know technically like next gen. He's still in that age group. He's just head and shoulders above the rest of them because, you know, been playing so well. But uh, he's still adjusting to this top position and being the favorite to do this kind of stuff. So I think this, like you said, this clay season is going to bring another pressure to him as as the defending champion at a, at a Masters event. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to that because this is a whole new stage in his career. Like last year, he got all those great wins and, you know, cracked the top four, top five, top four. And I think this year the pressure is going to be uh, – trying to maintain that the pressure to stay at the top you know it's it's it's, right. it's, it's it's harder to stay up there than it is to get there absolutely i'm rooting for him though i would i just i am waiting i mean not putting any pressure on him because like you said he's still very young and he's has plenty of time i would just like to see him make a little bit of a run at a slam so right yeah and that that i mean I know I just said not putting any pressure, but that kind of needs to happen this year because, uh, you know, even as well as he's played at these Master Series events to win them, um, you know, if you're doing that and then going to a slam and losing first, second, third round, there's going to be talk in the locker room anyway. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. I think I think he lets uh, best of five get in his head. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, that's a mental thing for him. I think once he gets over that hurdle, I think he'll be fine. I hope so. I hope so. Um, let me just let me shout out to Nasi Kakanakis <laughs> for that win over Roger Federer because it was absolutely marvelous. It was I know that's fantastic to witness. He played so well; it was so great. Like it, it, you know, going into the match, of course, I was cheering for him. He's he's one of my favorite next gen players, and I was I was cheering for him, and I, I want him to to do well and to to climb the rankings because he is he so young but he's lost a good chunk of his early part of his career right yeah with all these injuries and stuff like that at one point he was thinking about retirement but you know he came back and he's been slowly you know playing well he made a final last year um and he's he's slowly you know making that making his way back up the rankings i think he's like top like 150 now so um I, I'm rooting for him. I think he. I think he has a lot of potential to be to be really good. So here's hoping he can keep it together and keep it going. Got got kind of a tough draw in Monte Carlo though. Yeah, Monte Carlo. Um, Novak. Hmm. Um, I my first note on Novak is that loss in Miami to Benoit Paire. I put down that that has to be. One of the top five worst losses of his career. I mean, no shade, but like, who loses to Benoit Paire? That's crazy. Like, I know he he's just come back from injury and stuff like that, but he must not be feeling like the the pain anymore. He must feel like he's ready to be back because he's 
playing these tournaments. He's just not winning any matches. It's so, so odd. And he just got rid of his like whole team. The whole team. Uh, word on the street is that he has rehired Marion Vida again. I don't know why they ever split up in the first place, but apparently that's that's what has happened since he let Agassi and uh, Roddick Stepanek go. I don't know why he shouldn't have been working with Roddick Stepanek anyway. Like, hello, like what is what, what is that going to do? Can, yeah, what can he offer you? Like, it didn't make any sense. And then this whole Andre Agassi like working for free as like not a coach but like a consultant of some kind. Like, what the hell was that partnership? What were they doing? What were they working on? I, I don't understand any of it. Um, and then, like, I, I, it sounds like a lack of commitment to me. And I'm not necessarily saying it was on Agassi's part. I've, I kind of feel like it was a lack of commitment on Novak's part because what Agassi said after Novak let him go was that uh, they too often agreed to disagree. So right. that just, to me, seems like, okay, I'm going to put you on my team as a consultant, and then I'm just not going to listen to anything you're saying. Yeah. So it it's, it's very odd. It's, it's, I don't know, but he's, Novak is going through some things right now. Um, I personally don't think, as far as tennis is concerned, the situation is as dire as most people are making it out to be. Um, but, you know, also we'll see on the clay We'll probably won't see in Monte Carlo, but we'll see on the clay. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to see um, how the how how the rest of his season pans out. He'll I, I, he has to you know get he got to get it together eventually. Like he can't stay in this weird funk for too long. And um, his ranking is his ranking is still good for right now. But if he keeps this up, then he's gonna start tumbling down, and it's gonna be even harder on him how is it good but, i don't like what is he he hasn't played since wimbledon last year right no and okay i the finals in rome i know he right. made the finals in rome but like that's keeping him in the top I think, 10 i think he did like he made like quarterfinals in paris right that's when he lost to to tim oh uh, i kind of blocked out paris last year I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he got bageled in the quarterfinals last year. Uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. I somebody somebody's got to come up and because I mean, Roger just. I mean, he won a slam without dropping a set again. This is not 2007. It's 2018. I mean. And, like that's not that, and the ATP is supposed to be so competitive. But come on, yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange. Um, yeah, Federer skipping this entire clay season again. So whatever, whatever Rafa's not taking, I guess is up for grabs. Yeah, it and really Rafa's is. on a comeback trail, of course. After he hasn't played since since uh, Melbourne, but. Uh, he looked pretty good in Fed Cup or Davis Cup. Yeah, he looked so. great in da- <laughs> he looked great in <laughs> he Davis Cup. Good. So you know, I think um I think he's feeling good. I look forward to I look forward to seeing what he does on the clay. My leading note on Rafa is who gonna check him? And in parentheses, nobody. 
Back to number one, I'm sure he's feeling good. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna have a ton of issues. Um, that Monte Carlo draw is something, but we've seen him come through draws like that before. And like you said, he, he looked great in Davis Cup. Um, and at the end of the day, he's still the best on clay. So I don't, I don't see a ton of issues. I don't know, especially if he gets out of that little quarter because it's pretty tough. I mean, then who's on the other side of the draw? Right. So, um... But yeah, speaking of Monte Carlo, <laughs> um, there's several absences, top players actually, that will not be playing Monte Carlo. Um, you have Delpo, who is skipping the event. Um, I don't think he's injured, but uh, I mean, maybe he just made the choice to not go. Sometimes players just don't go to Monte Carlo and they wait a little while longer because it's not right. been that long since the hard courts. Um, Chung is also skipping Monte Carlo. You have Kevin Anderson, uh, David Ferrer, and then Nick Kyrgios. They're all skipping the event. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm kind of glad Delpo was sitting out. Yeah. You know, he was, he was obviously tired as all hell in that semifinal in mm-hmm. Miami against Isner. So I think he could, you, he could use the break and Chung, I'm, I'm kind of glad. I want. I really looking forward to seeing him play on the clay, but I'm kind of glad he's sitting out as well because the way he lost in Miami was very disheartening. Whew. Oof. Damn, John Isner. Mm, mm, mm. Seriously, so um, let me see. Stan, we you said Stan, right? Stan's not playing. Stan. I didn't like, mention Stan, Stan, Stan but yeah. Top twenty. Well, I mean. So I don't. Who knows when he when he'll be back? I keep getting. I keep getting this inkling. Or this vibe that he is, you know, he's ready to come back, but then, you know, he's pulling out of tournaments or he's not on the entry list. So, I'm not even sure. Like, is it still his knee that he's dealing with? I believe so. And he said the last time that he played, he said that it wasn't, like, from the surgery. It was just, like, knee pain. I don't know. I think, um, I don't know if that was the truth or not. Um, right. But I, I do think that he needs to stay gone a little longer because clearly he came back too soon when he came back at the start of the season. Right. Um, so like he was he was winning he was winning matches, but he didn't look good out there. If I were him, I would probably, I don't know, maybe like, I I would say you know play Roland Garros or whatever because he you know he did win it a few years ago, but then it's uh, then it's the grass and he's not been great on grass throughout his career. Right. I don't know. That's a tough spot too. We'll see what he does. Right. Um, Andy Murray, I think we I think I don't think he'll be back until the grass. I think he was he said something about possibly coming back earlier, like in May, but I don't think he should do that. I don't even know if he should come back on the grass. I mean I understand him coming back on the grass because everything is right there. But uh hip surgery is a is a thing i've seen close relatives go through that that uh i think he should wait a little longer yeah, in my we'll own personal see. opinion i mean i'm, I'm rooting for him to come back. back i really yeah. i really miss i really miss watching him play absolutely so i hope i hope if you know if if he's 100 percent ready to go willing and able 
to do this on the grass, then I'm all for it. But if there are any kind of question marks and he just wants to get out there and, you know, maybe and try to do something, then I don't think he should do that because there's, you shouldn't, he shouldn't push his limits at all. Especially not with an injury like this. You don't want to go, you know, fuck around and make it worse than what it already is or, you know, slow your rehab because then you'd be sitting out for even longer and, and, and you know and he's getting older at that age. You can't right. keep aggravating injuries over and over again because it, it takes longer to heal. I agree. Um, so that uh, top section, of course, Nadal section as the number one seed, it's kind of tough. Um, he could possibly have a third round versus uh, Kakanakis. Um, and then it's possible quarterfinals, either Novak, Dominic Thiem, uh, Chorich, or Rublev. So that's tough, just getting through the quarterfinals. I think that's a I think that's a good test for uh, for Nadal early on. Um, I think the I think his his third round will probably be uh, uh, or Simone. I don't see Manorino making it there. No, for whatever reason. I know Simone hasn't been playing that great, but. I don't see Manorino making it that far. And uh, the quarterfinal, I think, will most likely be uh, Tim. I think the only person who has a good shot at stopping Tim possibly will be Chorch in the third round. I don't see – and I don't I don't think Djokovic will make it past Chorch either if he gets past this qualifier, whoever you know, whoever that may be. I don't think he's been placed yet. I'm excited to see that match if it happens. Chorch and Djokovic? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. That most likely – BTM, he hasn't played. I mean, he does. He did have, win a title, small title earlier this year, but um, he has not been playing great of late. But clay is where he shines. So yep, he hits that clay and he turns into somebody else. Right. Um, Poor thing. But I still see. I still see Nadal coming through that section. Absolutely, I would be. I would still be surprised if he doesn't. Um. I don't really have too many other notes on that section. Um, the next quarter is Grigor's quarter. Um, another person who's kind of had a pretty trash season thus far. Like, um, it's, it's it blows my mind. Like he won he won the the, the ATP Finals, and I'm thinking this is about to catapult him into a great 2018. You know, mm-hmm. take this momentum and run mm-hmm. with it. He's done nothing with it, nothing at all, and it's it's a shame. It's extremely puzzling. I mean, and the it wasn't just that he won the World Tour Finals. It was, I mean, the way he won it, it was, it was so entertaining. It was, like, refreshing to see somebody else come up like that. And right. especially for him, you know, finally play up to his ability and, the, and his talent level. I mean, but for him to come into this year. And then he, he almost started out the year well. He did make the finals in Brisbane and lost to Nick. Um, and then, you know... Early loss to Kyle Edmund in Melbourne, and then he comes and gets to the finals of Rotterdam and gets completely bodied by Roger Federer. So, mm-hmm. and then since then, it's been garbage, to be honest. Yeah, like in the, the matches that he has won, he hasn't really played that well to win them. So it's just been a mess. But this section, like, there's there's literally no reason why he shouldn't make the semifinals. There's no reason why, but. I don't think he will at the same time because he's been playing like crap, but I can't right. pick anybody out of here. Like, I could, Goffin is still coming back from his eye injury thing. Mm-hmm. He, 
can't see for it worth a damn right now. So I think Shapo will beat this qualifier. Uh, then he'll take Gofen out. And I don't know. I think I see this semifinal probably going to uh, Shapovalov or Batista because I don't think I don't think Dimitrov is in the space to to make a run here at all. And he could. I mean, he could see. Philip Krajanovich in the second round. That's his. That would be his first match, um, and that I don't think would be an easy outing for him on form. Right now, I don't think that would be the easiest of matches for him. Right. Um, I agree with Bautista Gut. He's my pick for that section. Um, yeah, I mean, I did write down that Golfan was the next highest seed in the section, but he lost to Jasusa six zero six one in Miami. So yeah. I don't think he's ready just yet. Nah, he still can't see. No. So I think I, I think uh, I think Shapovalov would take him out in the second round. So I think we'll get we'll get Shapovalov and Batista Gut in the third round, and I think the winner of that match makes the semis. I wouldn't be mad at, at Shapo making that semi. Go ahead, Me either. come on. Um, the next quarter is Sasha's quarter. Um. Yeah, we've already talked about him quite a bit. The next highest seed in that section will be Luca Pui, um, who I feel like we just haven't seen in a while. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Maybe he's just not done much. No, he he won that title in... I feel like he won Montpellier or something. I know he won a title because I watched him. Uh, he, he beat Sanga. Well, Sanga retired. With whatever, I think it was a knee injury. He's still out. Um, that's another player we didn't mention who's not going to be in Monte Carlo. Um, but yeah, I, I just I don't know. Maybe he just lost early during the Sunshine Double or something. I I don't know. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the uh, the Miami seeds now. I don't think he played Miami. Okay, well that would make sense. I just yeah. don't remember him playing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he played Miami. Um. Diego Schwartzman is in this section. Uh, that's oh, yeah. the real winner from well. earlier this year. Yeah. So, uh, and also Fonini is here. He won Sao Paulo. Yes. So, um, yeah. But I think I think if Zverev doesn't make it out of this section, it's going to be another huge disappointment. Honestly. Uh, well, we'll see. I think we'll get. Um, I think we'll probably get a, a Zverev uh, Schwartzman quarter. And I think losing to Schwartzman here wouldn't be wouldn't be too bad of a loss for him. But um, yeah, we'll see. I think I think we'll, it'll come down to those two. I'm not uh, at this point. I'm not sure which one of them will, will pull through because Zverev seems like he you know he put it together a little bit in Miami. He's playing better. So, but you know, we'll see. Can't stack all my chips on him just yet because that uh, I think that that Miami final was Zverev's first final since he won. What was it? Where did he win? He won, Canada. yeah, he won Canada last year. Yeah, I think that was his first final since Canada. Yeah, he's he played garbage like from from then on last year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then the last section, Martin Chilich's section. I'm still adjusting my eyes to seeing him as a two seed at these big tournaments. Um, but you know, with one. Or the other of the top two out. Anytime he is the number three player in the world right now. So, um, 
he has not handled that t- that number two seating very well thus far. He lost early in Miami and in Ian Wells. Yeah, I was very shocked to see him take those losses. Like, I felt like it came out of nowhere. He's kind of, because I feel like he had a pretty good showing at the end of last year as well, like at the World Tour Finals, and uh, he hasn't really backed it up. But you kind of never know with him because he can just... He can just show up and play well. He's kind of almost like Stan, you know? Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I definitely forgot that he made the Australian Open final this year. Oh, dang. <laughs> wow. I completely forgot. I just pulled it up. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's why he still ranks so high. And, well, I know he made the Wimbledon final last year. Yeah, he year. got the Wimbledon final on his ranking, too. How do we not remember these? I guess they were... Forgetful finals, that's yeah. right. Wow. Yeah, I had completely forgotten that. Um, he actually has the winner of Verdasco and Pablo Cuevas in the second round. So Tough match mm, for him, yeah. Yeah. He, we'll this, this section is actually kind of stacked now. I'm looking at it. You got... Uh, Edmund versus Dogopolov to take on Karenio Busta in the mm-hmm. second round. Uh, Nisha Corey takes on Burdich in round one. Cute match. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, Roundich is down there. Germer, Verdasco, and Cuevas. And, um, so, yeah, I think I think Verdasco is going to come through that match. And I think Chilich should have his hands full there. Absolutely. But, um, yes, this section got a, a couple names in it, but I think I would. I, I, Pablo Carreño Busta might actually come through this. That was actually my pick. I was just about to say that. Yeah. yeah. I'm here for it. Yep. I like that guy. Um, yeah. And I I mean, I picked Rafa as the winner. I don't see, I don't see him losing. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we'll probably, I think most likely for, we're headed for uh, a Nadal-Zvera final. Absolutely. That's if Sasha can keep it together. If right. he actually got it together. And he would be the underdog in that final, but um I don't see him beating Rafa in a in a nah, final was, on clay. He was he was underdog in that uh Davis Cup match just last week. And he lost. To who? Rafa. Oh dang, I forgot they played. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they just played that's that was that was what well, I think that was the main thing that impressed me about Rafa's uh performance in Davis Cup. Like, yes, Clay, so he, of course, he you know can play well on the clay, but he just you know just coming back from his injury, and you get a player like Zverev that you got to play in a specified match. So it was, it was pretty good, it was, it was good to see. That was good to see, yeah. Um, any other notes on Monte Carlo? Um, nope. I think I'm good. Yep. Same here. Let's uh, move on to the power rankings. Mine Before were... the power rankings, though. Mm-hmm. Before the power rankings. Yeah, okay. A couple couple more interesting things about the uh, news. Didn't re- Not really tournament-related. Well, kind of tournament-related. The shot clock that the U.S. Open is trying to implement. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> interesting. I think that is one of the craziest things that I have ever seen. Like you know, it, it, I guess it sounds good. Like when you when they you know when you talk when they mention it and they first think about it. Like, but these penalties that they attach to it just is it's insane. Like you got let me see first penalty. Like when you go past the the allotted time between between points is a warning. 
which is fine. But mm-hmm. then after the warning, you lose. It's a point penalty, and then after the point penalty, it's a whole game penalty. That's about to be chaos in New York. Like I can't. I think Rafa's going to be losing his mind. Uh, <laughs> as soon as Venus catches a toss, it's going to be crazy. Oh dang! Like, it, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a sight to see. Because uh, as Darren Cahill was on Twitter saying. The the you know he said it's great to have a shot clock, but he said the the penalty should always be um, a loss of a first serve, and that seems like the first logical step to me. Like when it comes to that, like the whole point penalty and game penalties and stuff like that. Imagine, <laughs> imagine being down break point. You just you know you just want a, a a crazy, you know thirty shot rally. Now you take you got a point penalty and boom you just lost your serve. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. I think, you know, in the way of the penalty being the loss of the first serve, I think that would add a little drama and a little spice, too, if that were to happen. Um, and I think that would be more fun to watch than, you know, oh, hey, you just lost this game. Right. And Cahill was on Twitter. He's saying um, this is just another case of the, of the four slams, the ATP, the WTA, and the ITF all doing whatever they want without, like, actually, like, discussing it. You know, with 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 everybody else, it's like all these all these different governing bodies in the sport. It just makes everything so confusing and jumbled, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and jumbled up and messed up. Like tennis needs to be under one governing body somehow, some way, somehow, to try to keep all this stuff in line. Because it, as you it, per tournament per organization, it shouldn't be so different. Like it, it's crazy. And um, the chair umpire apparently has you know they can use this. They can start the clock at their discretion, like, I guess whenever they feel, you know, is, is necessary. So I guess that's fine to the point, like, where, where like, they can start it a little bit late after, like, a long rally or something like that. Right. But I still think that's just giving them, a, it's giving them a lot of, a, a lot of power, like, to, to determine whether, whether or not you think these players should be ready because there's so many factors to take into place when it comes to, to between points because sometimes for serve, the wind is blowing and it messes your toss up or the you stay, you're waiting for crowd noise to die down. You just played a 30 ball rally. So, you know, you're trying to catch your breath a little bit. I, I think it's too many factors to take in place to, to really push this, this shot clock forward though, at least the, to the way they want to. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see that to be incredibly necessary anyway. I mean, even as much time as Rafa takes, I don't think he takes that much time. Like, I don't, if I'm watching him, I don't notice how much time he's taking right. between points. I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary. If we're trying to short matches, there are other ways to do that. And exactly. I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a shot clock as the best answer. Um, is the the rule about uh, the warm-ups, is that also taking effect in, in New York? See, I don't know. I heard about that a while ago, but I, I thought that was supposed to be implemented earlier this year, like on a regular tour, but I'm not, I don't even remember like hearing anything else about it, like a follow-up. So no. is that still happening? I I feel like I read about it in addition to the shot clock rule earlier this week, but I, I don't remember if it was taking effect in Miami or not. I feel like it was, um, 
personally, I think they should do away with the warm up altogether. Right. Because um, the players have already warmed up and stretched. Yeah, exactly. This is 2018. They've been doing it all day. Yeah. Like they, I mean, they've had two hits. They've been stretching in the tunnel. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're they're sweating when they get to the court. Let's just exactly. go. Let's start. Yeah, I saw I saw somebody saying that on Twitter before. The the there really is no point in this warm up. Like not anymore. It's not, it's, yeah. Right. It's not like they've been sitting down all day just waiting for the match to start. Like yeah, everybody even not before even in the tun- even in the tunnel right before even in the tunnel right before they walk out, you see them stretching in the hallway and doing jumping jacks and all right. kinds of stuff. Like they're warmed up, ready to go. Let's just get the match going. I think that would that would help viewership too. Because I mean. When I don't, you know, I turn the match on like intentionally. I turn it on late just because yeah, I don't want to sit there and watch. Who wants to sit there and watch the warm up? Who cares? Exactly. Seriously, like, and I guess you can look at it like the warm up gives people like a little bit more time to like file into the court, but that can already be done. They can fix exactly, that too. Like, and just... if they, you know, it's and that's another thing with that and that that we can bring up is um, the controversy with Wozniacki in Miami. Um, and the stuff that happened during her match, I think, you know, things need to be a little bit more structured and there needs to be a little bit more, like, more guards and and different things like that on these tournaments. I mean, these are professional events and you would think in 2018 things would be a little bit more structured. Right. Seriously, because especially especially when it comes to to hecklers doing stuff like that, like, there there should be people at least placed around, around the courts to the point where they can you know, monitor and hear all all this different kind of stuff that might be going on because this, oh, this person said this terrible thing to me. Oh, well, there's no, you know, I don't have any kind of proof of that. I couldn't hear it this, so now there's nothing we can do about it. That kind of stuff, is, it's not good. It's not a good look. I agree, and I, I don't feel like it's been that long since the last time we saw somebody run out on the court, you know, I, on a changeover right, during a match. I think the last time, the most recent one I remember is the the French Open final in 2013, I think, when Rafa played Ferrer. Those, right. D- those protesters ran on court with, like, flaming the, the torch things. The, the <laughs> What the hell are those stupid things called? <laughs> whatever the hell the oh, damn thing no. is called. But he, yeah. he ran on court with those, like, those shirtless protesters or whatever. Like, that kind of stuff. How do those people make it all the way onto the court in a professional match? Like, that what is, is the scary. security doing? That's scary. And it's like, I mean... After Monica Sellers is stabbing, right. this should never happen again. Like there should that be should be on lock. I I just don't understand why we're in 2018, you know, and they don't have better security at these tournaments. It I mean it makes no sense. So yeah, I mean not to derail anything, but that was you know what you were saying about uh you know. That could the people filing in that that sh- that can be done too. They could. It just needs to be more structure, and you know if the if the fans want to come in and watch, then they can abide by the rules to come in and watch because you know. Right. I mean, I understand they pay for a ticket, but that means it should mean even more for them, you know, to want to be there and exactly. do the right Get thing. Early. Yeah. So because you know you can't come in until a changeover once you know once the match and stuff gets going so get there and get there on time as simple as that yeah i don't think it's i don't think that would be difficult as a change um what else do you think would help with 
shortening of matches. I don't want to bait anyone. <laughs> but um, let's get rid of best of five first of all. Thank you. Okay, so I don't have like, to say to, it because the, the slam the slams are the main ones trying to trying to make these matches a little bit you know make try to make the match a little bit shorter. Right. Let's do away with best of five at least until the quarterfinals. Like, I agree best with of, that. Best of three up until the quarterfinals. That's perfectly fine with me. Those last three rounds, best of five sets. Perfectly fine. It's acceptable. That's the kind of match people want to watch. Nobody wants to watch a five-hour first-round match between two nobodies. They're just taking up a bunch of time on the court, like pushing matches back and just just ruining everybody's day. And not everybody has five hours to set aside in their day to sit and watch one tennis match. Like the only people doing that are like diehard tennis fans, and they're only they're only doing that for matches between top players. Right. And so if you want to make the sport more marketable to the average sports fan, then it needs to take less time than five hours. And I don't I don't think the way to, to, to do that is shot clocks and to like shorten sets to like the, the fast play tennis type of stuff. I don't think that I don't think those are I don't think those are the answers. The main answer for me, what I think that the biggest answers are is let's do away with best of five at the slams and also let's speed up the courts. Yes. Every court plays so slow now and it makes the matches take so long because the, all the points are, you know, like 15 shots. That's not helping anything. Like they're doing they doing everything they can to try to to so as they say try to speed up the game except get rid of best of five and speed up the courts. Yeah, especially with the court speed, I think there should just be more variety altogether. I don't think all our hard courts should be that slow. Like it the the fastest hardcore is what like the Paris indoors or Shanghai or something like that. I think, yeah. and then everything else is slow. Like it's it's medium, I, and I don't understand that. Like everything, you know, it used to be there used to be much more variety, and that's why you don't have like clay specialists or grass specialists or hardcore specialists anymore because everything is the same speed and it's just the right. same people winning everything over and over again. And exactly. then everything's been homogenized. Yeah, and then you have you know you have these five set matches. But five set does not equate to a classic match. Right. I mean, and personally, you know, as big of a tennis fan as I am, I can't even recall the last time I sat through a five-hour tennis match or a five-set match. I turn it off. I can't, I, I can't sit through it. And I'm just like, oh, I'll check later and see who won because I don't want to sit through that. But I can, I can definitely recall, you know, great three-set matches that I've watched all the way through and played. So if I, as a big tennis fan, am saying I can't sit there with my attention span and watch a five set match, then like what are casual fans that are just coming to, you know, check out what's going on? What are they doing? They're not watching that. Exactly. This idea that this idea that the men's matches need to be best of five because that creates classic this and classic that. And, you know, like it, I, I don't think, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think uh, men playing best of three takes away from the quality or the tension of a match at all. It, if anything, it heightens it. Right. Because, after you know, after you lose that first set, you got one more Pressure. set. You out of here. Like the right. sense of urgency is is turned on. And, and mm-hmm. if you just look at look back as you know as early as Miami just passed or Indian Wells, it was and just early as uh, Indian Wells. That final between Federer and uh, Del Potro was great. It was great. That was a great yeah. quality three set match. So uh, I think it's crazy to think that the, they they shouldn't do that or they can't do that to slams. It's, it, it's ridiculous. Also, the very least they could do is do away with these long-ass fifth sets and just give us a, a tie break at the end of that fifth set. 
right. we don't need to see 12-10 or 14-12 or anything like that in the fifth set. Give us this tie break and let it go on because, I mean, that that is actually more fun to watch, that, super, that, that tie break in the fifth set to see mm-hmm. who wins than it is to... It just keeps going with the same old crap, and nobody can break serve, and it, we're just sitting here, and it's just going right. on forever. That's, that's wants the to good see thing. That. That's the good thing about New York because right. at least when the best of five set match in New York, there's an end in sight. Like you know, once it gets to this point in the fifth set, it's the match is almost over. Right in Paris and Melbourne and uh, Wimbledon, you, that match could go on forever. Like it, it's crazy, and I think. I, and I don't mind. I don't mind that so much in a best of three match. Like when the women have to play till someone breaks serve, I do not mind that because you've only been sitting there for three sets. Right. So it's not it. It you know they their matches is not gonna it's not gonna take that much longer. But for the men, you've been sitting there for five sets, and now you have to wait for somebody to 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 break serve to end this. And then ridiculous. they're yeah, and then they're doing this in you know the first or the second or the third round, and this is a player who could you know, potentially break through with a big win and make a run. But now they're tired as hell and they have to come back in two days and they don't have anything left to exactly. give in the next round. It, right. And that, especially these, those early, those early round five setters really diminish the quality of, you know, what could be right in, in these tournaments, because you got these guys killing themselves, you know, 14, you know, 16, 14 in a fifth set in the first round. Like, what is he going to have to give? What is what, what much more does he have to give when it yeah. comes to you know round two or or you know maybe round three if he if he makes it there? I think it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a little bit self destructive as a sport, I think, um, and it's tough, especially you know to build up the younger players who are you know if they do come through and win that best of five match, then they you know they they can't do anything after that. And and truly break through the way they would want to at a slam because everybody wants to break through at a slam, right? You know, I don't know. There need to be just some changes made, but they're not making the right ones. They're not listening, and they're definitely not listening. I mean, I feel like all of us as fans are yelling, and they're not listening. They're like, nope. they're putting us on mute and doing what they want. <laughs> Seriously, they they listen to the select few of these old traditionalists talking about oh, best of five is this, and you know, tennis tradition that like. Fuck your damn traditions. Like, get this shit out of here. Move the sport into the new age. Absolutely. Times are changing. Seriously. And you they, you, you know, you think they're trying to get with the times, like WCA with their little WTA TV thing, but that shit barely works. Like, how you got a whole, you know, streaming thing where people, the only spot where people can watch your matches, for real, for real. And, you know, it's there's no app for it or nothing like that. Like, people can't. You know, put it on their like add the te- the thing to their their phones or tablets. You know, put it on their gaming systems or something like that. You got to be sitting at a computer and pull up the damn website to try to watch that shit. Like, who is doing that? Seriously, who is doing that? And then you want people to pay ten dollars a month to watch your crap, and don't nobody know who any of your damn players are because they, they can't watch your matches anywhere yeah. else. Like, how are these how are these young women supposed to become stars? Because supposed to become these popular athletes when people can't find their matches, people don't know who they are. Like, they don't know how to market their sport at all. It's a fucking shame. And it, it makes me upset because, you know, you know, Venus and Serena not going to be here forever. Sharapova's on her last legs. Like, these people that the people already know, they'll be out the door soon. Like, they older than you think. Like, right. you know, right now, and you then feel what? like they could be playing forever. But, you know, you're trying to, trying to turn these young ones into stars, into the faces of the tour. But, don't nobody know who they are, even at this moment in time. Like, especially even the players who who have won slams. Like, nobody you know, knows like, who they are. 
Sloan Stevens and Ostapenko and Muguruza, they're not worldwide stars yet. And they're slam champions. Like they should be getting they should be getting this this big star status, this big star treatment. And they should be you know, real popular among the uh, the sponsors and like the sporting the, the the sporting lines and stuff like that, like Adidas and stuff like that. It, you should be seeing their faces everywhere, and you don't. Seriously, like the the sports world loves a young and you know a young rising star, but in tennis, the only people who know about these rising stars are those of us who've been following the tour for years. And even then, sometimes it's pretty difficult to to really find them and then if you do like oh you say oh you see somebody and like oh i want to watch them and then you can't <laughs> so yeah. it's uh yeah it's not it's great like here, here pay ten dollars a month to watch this little random ass tournament that you never heard of so you can see if you like one of these players like nah it's just it's it's not it's not a good business model yeah they have to do better they haven't really thought things through and it's Seriously. a. Uh, and then you got. I don't know. Now you got Madison Bringle trying to take ten million dollars from the WTA. Look, I'm gonna let you have that one because I really, <laughs> I do not, I don't understand. <laughs> but I hollered when I saw that. Um, Yo, yeah. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it when I read it. So Madison Bringle is suing the WTA. Let me see. She got a, she got a few people. She's suing a few people. Let me see. She's suing the WTA, the ITF, the International Doping Test and Management. Uh, she's suing uh, Stuart Miller. He's in charge of the ITF doping program. And John Snowball, he's a doping control officer for the aforementioned IDTM. And she's seeking $10 million in damages uh, because uh, for battery, negligence, and intentional infliction of emotional distress from blood testing procedures. And she claims that these procedures have permanently damaged her right arm. Because apparently she has some kind of a medical condition that causes extreme pain in her arm when a needle is inserted. She says it feels like like uh, lightning on her arm or like acid is being poured on her arm. Uh, she described at one point uh, screaming and passing out from the pain. Oh, good God. Um, so she's seeking $10 million in damages from all, from all of that. And that that's more money than she's won in her entire career. She's 28 years old. Lord. She's been playing for a while. Uh, she suffered a collapsed vein in 2009, so I think that's part of part of what's adding to like her pain, I guess. But um, yeah, so I guess she's saying they, you know, they intentionally caused her all of this pain and emotional distress from, you know, her drug test being done with, you know, by blood test. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm no lawyer, so I can't speak on how <laughs> how good a case she has. So. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Ten million dollars in damages. It's uh, I mean that whole situation really sucks. I, I'm surprised at the ten million figure, but um, you know, if she's been with her lawyers and they feel like that's the accurate amount to go for, then. I mean, more power to her. I don't, I don't, I don't know if many of the players on either tour are particularly happy about the way they are treated as far as that whole testing thing goes. Um, right. So, you know, I could see, and I could see maybe some other players kind of supporting her and banding behind her. 
on it. Um, I mean, I don't have any, I have nothing negative to say about it because uh, sis Sybil Bammered us in 2017 and helped us get that uh, Australian Open title with that mm-hmm. absolutely uh, disgusting loss. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, great on her for whatever she wants to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope. I hope whatever the best outcome is for her is what happens. I don't know what that is. I mean, I guess it's the ten million, but yeah, I, I don't think she. I don't think she'll get that whole ten million. I think they'll end up settling for some undisclosed amount, right? But we'll see. I think so. I, I just I find it so weird for her to be suing the WTA. Like it's crazy to me, but I guess we'll see how this plays out. Yes, we will be watching. Absolutely. You have anything else? Nope. All right. All right. So my power rankings are, um, they're kind of shabby. It's kind of difficult to come up with any (laughs) Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, For the women, I I kept Osaka at number one just because, um, I mean, the way that she played and I felt like she bodied some top players on that run in Indian Wells and she played just so well and made it look much easier than I, than it probably was. Um, you know, and then to back it up with that win over Serena, I mean, you know, of course Serena was not at her best, but any win over Serena is a big one, especially when that's, you know, your hero and somebody you've looked up to all these years coming up. Um, and I don't read much into the loss in Charleston. Like I said, she lost to Gerges who is, playing pretty well anyway so it's not um a horrible loss for her i so i have her at number one yeah um i put i put sloan as my number one just because of i just because of reason i guess mostly because of how recent it was and um may and i think it knocked osaka down to my number two because of because of the loss from miami and charleston and i think sloan had i think sloan had a pretty good run in um in Miami, she took out Muguruza in the fourth round there. And uh, she took out Kerber, who's been playing pretty well so far this year. Mm-hmm. And Vika, who who was actually playing pretty well in um, in this tournament, too. Vika uh, took out Pliskova, which I found very impressive. But um, Vika looked like she ran out of steam in that semifinal. But, um, yeah, Sloan got uh, she got uh, three top wins over in that uh, Miami run. So I think um, yeah, I gave her my number one because... I think that I think that win. I hope that win will push her to to do well on the clay. Um, yeah, I have Sloan as my number two uh, for mine, with you know all the same reasons you just said. Um, I don't know why I didn't have her as number one instead of two, but that's that. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, Oh, who do you have as your number two? My number two is Osaka. Okay, yeah, you said that. Um, I actually have Barty as my number three. Barty. Um, I don't think I meant to put Barty. I think I meant to put Burton's. That's who I put. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading that and I'm like, why do I have I Ashley Barty? Barty. <laughs> what did she do? Um, yeah, I think that was supposed to be Burton's. I think I typed that really quick between classes or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I put Burton's yeah. for my number three. <laughs> um, 
I still have Venus as number four. Um, just because, you know, she didn't win either one of those titles and she very well could have won both. But um, she did have the consistency. I was looking for some other girls with some consistency between those two events for the Sunshine Double and there were none. So, right. um, you know, semifinals and Indian Wells and a, and a quarterfinal to back it up. I mean, it very well could have been a title in Miami, but who knew that that girl was going to come in and play like that? Um, oh, it was ridiculous. I, I, I'm, I'm still confuzzled on that one. I don't know what else to say. I mean, she she really came out there and hit that ball. I, I can't even, I mean, I'm mad, but like, I can't be mad. Right. So, but yeah, I have Venus in my number four. I, I gave number four to Ostapenko. Okay. Because of her her run to the final in Miami. Well, it was very good to see from her because she had she had been struggling for a little bit too. Like she right. she hasn't done very much uh this year so far. And I think hopefully that hopefully that win will push her to, to also to do well on a clay because she's defending the French Open title this year and It'll be it'll be a shame to see her to you know bounce out early on the clay. Right. I, yeah, I like her, so I I want her to do well and you know at least you know get back to the second week and try to make another deep run if anything. Right. Um, and she had a pretty good she had a pretty good run in um in Miami too. She took out uh, Kvitova and uh, Svitolina. Okay. Yeah. Those are good ones. And yeah, so I think I think she 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 played pretty well, and I hope she I hope she does well. Going forward, because uh, she got the was well, see French Open title and Wimbledon quarterfinal on her ranking. So, okay, she got some points to defend coming up. Yes, she does. Hopefully, um, she can keep, get it together. She's my number five, so that rounds out my women. And my five was Venus. <laughs> okay, we have very similar names. That was yeah. Yeah, that was pretty easy. Um, on the men, I kept Delpo at number one. Actually, me too. Yeah. Um, you know, that was still a pretty good run. He was tight as he could possibly be in mm-hmm. uh, Miami. So to even make the semifinals, um, that, I thought that was pretty great. Um, my number two is actually George. Well, that's good. I gave Isner number two because he played crazy <clears throat> well. I, do, I, I don't like the guy for, at all, but he played crazy well in Miami. Like, it was, it was insane. So uh, I had to, I had to give him number two. I think I put George for the same reason that I put Delpo, just the consistency, um, making that semifinal, and then I, and then he made a quarterfinal the next week, same as Venus yeah, did. Good. So that was good, and um, you know to at least back up that that breakout event, almost almost making the final in Indian Wells. Um, so that was good. and I'm rooting for him. I have Roger at number three. Couldn't drop him too far down. Uh, I don't read, even though uh, it was a great win for Kakanakis in Miami, I don't read much into the loss for Roger. Yeah, um, no, nah, not at all. Yeah. Um, number three, I gave Federer number three, too. Okay. Um, my, number, my number four, my number four is George. George. Okay. I put uh, MAGA at number four just because I had to include him on the list. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say about that. And uh, Zverev is my number five rounding out the list. He's my number five as well. Yeah. And I wanted to give an honorable mention to Chung as well because 
He played. He played pretty well. I I, I enjoyed watching him. Uh, watching him in Miami. Yeah, he's that still. On the, to, yeah, uh, he's still on the come up. So that loss to uh, to Isner was pretty pretty terrible. But you know, he played. He played pretty well in his uh his his first few matches. I'm so glad I didn't watch that. It was awful. I was really expecting him to win too because he's such a I good returner. Too. But yeah. he's such a good returner. But freaking. He couldn't. He couldn't hold. He couldn't hold his own serve at all. Like it was crazy. It was horrible. And Isner just was blasting the ball. No, don't <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, that's all I have. Yep. Um. So yeah, this has been fun. Um. I would like to mention at this time that you can. Subscribe to the Yeah We Said It podcast on iTunes. Um, we're also on Twitter at Hold Your Ponytails because hey, I don't know why I did that, but it makes sense, I guess, a little bit. Um, I also wanted to mention that you can listen via Alexa if you just ask her after subscribing, of course. Just say, Alexa, hey, play the Yeah We Said It podcast and she'll do it. So that's pretty cool. Um, you can follow my personal Twitter at Hey Seti Baby, Donnell. I'm I'm at I am Nels. All right, so it's been fun, and until next time, see y'all later. Peace. Bye. <laughs>